Hey, this is Celeste. Thanks for coming back to Pivot to Plants. I have Jess with me today. And I'll be honest with you guys, this is the third time <laughs> the that, third. that we have met together for this interview. And what I love is that I've just gotten to know you so much. I feel like we're friends across the country, mm-hmm. um, health crusaders on a plant-based yes. diet. And Jess, um, her podcast is called the veg table, and I'll be sure to link that in the show notes. I absolutely love that. And one of the reasons I wanted to have her on today is because she adopted a plant-based diet, as she will tell you in her journey to heal a health condition called PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome, which I know a lot of women and young women, it seems like more and more are suffering from these days. And she not only shares on Instagram and on her social media profiles about her journey, um, but I really wanted to have her on so she could just really share with us how she came to this place, how she has healed her body. I mean, I understand that these things that we're diagnosed with by the medical community, they say they can never be reversed. However, symptoms can be alleviated. So doesn't matter if you quote unquote have it or not, if you're not experiencing the symptoms and you've healed yourself. So Thank you for coming on for the third time. (laughs) Of course. Thank you for having me for the third time. (laughs) You're awesome. Um, So can you give us a little background on how you discovered that you had this, um, these symptoms and what that process was like for you, what you felt like? Um, I imagine that that had to be pretty, um, pretty shocking and not necessarily something that you as a young woman expected mm-hmm. or wanted. I don't think we ever want to have these proclamations made over us, but it probably brought you some relief when you got to the source, but I know that you didn't take the initial medical advice that was given to you. So will you take us back? <laughs> Sure. Of course. It has been a journey for sure. Um, But I guess the first signs where I knew something was kind of wrong was probably in high school. Um, My junior year, I would say I started to get um, acne, like hormonal acne on my cheeks. It wasn't anything crazy, but you know, not many of my friends were breaking out. So it's just something that I notice a lot and it kind of continued throughout my years. And I'm still, you know, trying to defeat that part of my symptoms. Um, but when I was diagnosed, it was probably, I think it was 2018 I was diagnosed and Weirdly, I was relieved in the sense because I had so many different ailments and symptoms going on, unexplained weight gain, missing um, or just irregular periods when I did have them, like everything was out of whack and hormonal acne was the huge one for me. Um, And it was nice to know that there was a reason why all of this was happening instead of just being in the unknown. Um, I kind of figured it was PCOS from all of like my own research that I had done. Um, but when I'd gone to my doctors initially, they, the first doctor I saw when I asked her about PCOS, she told me that I wasn't big enough to have 
PCOS, which is so, so crazy that she even said that to me. But the reason why that's kind of um, important is because a lot of women who have PCOS tend to be overweight or obese. And I did not, that was not one of my symptoms. I had weight gain, but I was still, I was still pretty small for someone who had PCOS apparently in her eyes. Um, And it wasn't until I saw a different doctor where I asked her about it and she was like, oh, okay. I asked her to get a hormone panel because I wanted my hormone levels tested because I knew something was off. So she was like, okay, we can do that. But at the time I was still on birth control. So, and I went on birth control in high school for all the reasons that teenage girls do for acne and everything. And I had a boyfriend at the time. So, you know, it just kind of made sense. So I did it without really understanding what I was putting into my body. It was just like the norm. Everybody was doing it. Um, so when I got my hormone levels tested, all of my, like my estrogen and progesterone, those levels were kind of like in the normal range. It was my testosterone that was absolutely through the roof. Um, and my doctor told me that this is more testosterone that like boys have when they're going through puberty. So I was like, yeah, okay. Something is, is definitely wrong here. Um, so that was cool in the sense where I finally was able to understand why all these different things were happening to me. Um, but then I also fell, um, victim to like the blame game of like, well, why is this happening to me? No one else is experiencing this. I did a lot of like, why me type of, um, ways of coping with it initially. And then I was like, this isn't really helping me. So I kind of switched my mindset around it. And I tried to look up, um, just PCOS in general to really understand what it was, because it's still a pretty unknown condition. Not many doctors are too familiar with it unless they're like a hormone special specialist. Um, so I did my own research and I found that a lot of it was lifestyle based. So that's when I really started to get, um, interested in, um, like what foods I was eating, exercising and things like that. I had been an athlete all my life. So exercising wasn't really the problem. Um, uh, and another thing with being an athlete that's normalized that really shouldn't be is not having a period mm-hmm. because you're so active. Um, coaches and doctors are even like, oh yeah, that's normal. You lose your period. And it might be normal in the sense because I'm so active, but that's not a good thing. And I feel like that's not stressed enough where like having your menstrual cycle is such a telltale sign of your overall hormonal internal health. So when you don't have that, that means something that should be working isn't working. So that occurred to me um, a lot before I was even on birth control. And that was one, another reason to regulate my periods. Um, I wanted to go on birth control. And then once I got off of birth control, that was probably like two years after I'd been diagnosed with PCOS, my symptoms got so, so much worse. I gained so much weight. The acne just kept on coming. And in retrospect, when I look back, I probably shouldn't have just stopped cold Turkey because it was hormones I was putting into my body. So I'm sure when I stopped doing that, my body kind of went into this like shock of like, well, we don't normally produce these hormones. So, you know, we're kind of all out of whack here. So it, it went really, really downhill. Um, and yeah, like I said, the acne, the weight and being a female in college, those two things did not help my self-esteem whatsoever. Um, so that was, there's a whole mental 
health um, side, which I'm sure we will touch on to having PCOS or really any chronic um, condition that played a huge role in like my self-esteem and how I saw myself. So it's definitely been a journey, but it's getting better and that's all you can hope for. Yeah. You look great and your skin. You're welcome. Um, and I can't, I can, I can't imagine what that's like because I have been in positions in my life, um, post-competition where I lost my period and I gained a ton of weight because I had dieted really extremely and it came back on to where I was the heaviest that I had ever been even Mm -hmm. as a teenager and where I, I think sometimes it's a teenager. Now that I'm older, like we have a little extra baby fat Mm -hmm. (laughs) and our body's trying to figure out all the things. Um, but yeah, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty, um, I guess I can say how I didn't feel like myself. I mean, I was an athlete and here I was obviously overweight. I was a competitive fitness Mm -hmm. athlete, which is all about aesthetics. And I had lost my period because I was dieting too hard. And, um, it was also an indicator to me, um, that something is not right. And all this weight came back on and it was really a process to reclaim that. And, um, that was, that was years ago. I know that going vegan, has helped me maintain a healthy body weight and a healthy image because I feel like I'm congruent now with what I believe. Mm-hmm. I'm living- You're aligned. Yes, 100%. So what made you think that, or what did you discover that was like diet related? And I imagine you're probably going to touch on dairy because dairy affects skin (laughs) so much. That was the first thing I was going to talk about. So talk to us about dairy. Talk to us about how dairy affects hormones. Yeah, for sure. Um, So I don't think I said this before, but I am uh, plant-based vegan. So my initial, um, I guess, transition to that point was definitely dairy. I cut out immediately. That was the first thing, cold Turkey. Um, that one was really, really hard because dairy has an addictive quality to it. And I was like the cheese queen when I was younger, Mm -hmm. cheese sticks, I would have cheese sandwiches, butter sandwiches. Ugh, it was so bad when I think about the way that I used to eat. But I saw so many, um, and I actually do, I know people like to say, like, read the research, but I have a science background. So I actually do read the research around this stuff. And uh-huh. there was so much about, there was a correlation between dairy and acne. And a lot of that has to do with IGF-1, um, which is an insulin growth factor which when you think about it, the point of cow's milk is for a baby cow. So there's a lot of hormones in there because it's supposed to grow this little cow into a huge cow, like 400 pounds. We, we don't need that at all. Dairy has absolutely no place in our diet. And it just, it wreaks havoc on your um, endocrine system. It really, really does. So for me, that was the first thing to go. And immediately I noticed an improvement in my skin. I definitely was still breaking out, but it wasn't as um, like, I wouldn't get like deep cystic acne. It would just be more like superficial 
type of acne. So I was still breaking out, but not nearly as much as I used to. Um, so yeah, dairy was first to go. And then when it came to meat and, um, like chicken and poultry and things of that nature, I kind of, that one was a little bit hard for me because I also ate a lot of meat when I was younger. I grew up on the, you know, standard American diet where animal protein was like the focus of our meal. It was at every single meal. So that's what I was accustomed to eating. And then I had watched a few documentaries and it didn't really align with what I believed anymore as far as like an ethical um, Hmm. reason goes. I'll never forget the first time I told my dad, he kind of not made fun of me, but when I heard him relay the message to my other family members that I was choosing not to eat meat anymore, he said that Jess doesn't want to eat meat because she doesn't like the way cows are treated, but said it in almost like a mocking way. And I was like, well, that is a reason why I don't want, I hate the way that they're treated. They shouldn't even be treated like that. They're animals, they're other beings. Um, but it also has been shown to not be as, um, I guess, health promoting, if you want to say, when it comes to hormonal conditions, because there's also hormones within the meat that you're eating, like the flesh that you're eating from these animals. And when you think about factory farming, which is a whole other issue, but these animals are pumped with antibiotics and hormones so that they don't get sick, because if they get sick, then they can pass it out onto other animals in there. And then it kind of defeats the whole purpose of making a profit off these animals. So, um, yeah, that was, meat, that was well said. Yes. yes. <laughs> meat, meat was the next one to go. Um, and that one really wasn't too much of a struggle. Like I said, I, it was the focus of all of my meals when I was younger, because that's just how I grew up. But it was not something that I missed really ever. Dairy was more hard um, for me, I would say, but meat, I've never had a slip up with, I haven't eaten meat in like five years or anything. Um, and I'm doing just fine. No protein deficiencies here. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. And so fish was the last one to go. So I was pescatarian a long time before I was like, I guess plant-based you could say, because I wasn't eating dairy or meat, but I still was occasionally consuming fish, um, specifically in the summertime, just because I'm from Long Island. So a lot of the fish that we get here is caught like off the coast. So it's like super duper fresh. It's really good. Doesn't mean that it's right. Um, but so that's, that was my kind of like trade-off, but for the past two years, I've been completely, um, vegan and it's made such, such amazing, um, like just benefits to my overall health in general. I feel so much better. I notice my digestion is better and I am with PCOS. It is hard, harder. You can lose weight. It is harder to lose weight. Um, but I am slowly starting to lose that weight that I had put on and my skin is improving. So there's just, there's been a lot of benefits to just cutting out animal products in my diet. That's awesome. And it takes, I think people want to change their diet or take a pill and see immediate results. And I just don't think that life works like that. There's no, (laughs) unfortunately it doesn't for who knows how long, maybe since puberty, your body had this elevated testosterone level. And so it has balanced out a lot, but it's still working your healing process. Mm -hmm. And, um, 
what what things have you noticed like the most dramatically? Because I know that doctors, I, I know this from past client experience, they do not promote a vegan diet for PCOS. In fact, they promote it's, the opposite. It's the complete opposite. <laughs> so where did you get the the guts and the science to make this huge shift? Because you obviously... Um, I have to give it to you, like awesome job for doing the research, being your own medical advocate and deciding to do something different. Mm -hmm. Where did you get that info? Where'd you get the balls? Like, tell us the story. Yeah. So unfortunately, in a lot of these cases, you do have to be your own advocate because nobody's going to care more about your health than you. So you have to go into the doctor's office with questions or just things to ask them. And I always try and approach it from a very respectable manner. I never want to come at the doctors because they worked very hard to get where they are. And I applaud them. They put in years to get where they are. But when it comes to nutrition, they just, they don't know about it because, or know enough about it because it's not what they were taught. It's not really their fault for it. I forget what the hours were. I think they, 15 hours out of their entire medical career is dedicated to nutrition. And we have found that so many of these chronic conditions factors. So it's not even a topic of conversation. Um, so the first thing I did was when I got my diagnosis and everything, I found a natural doctor who practiced more like holistic health, because that just aligned way more than just the general doctor's office setting. So that was number one. Um, but even still, even though it was a more natural route and she didn't want to um, prescribe me any medications per se, that was a whole other thing. Every time I went to the doctor, they wanted to put me on like three different medications. I'm like, well, why is this happening? No one talks about the root cause. It's just, okay, this is your symptom. I will give you this to help with that. But it's like, well, originally, why is this symptom occurring anyway? You know, they don't really help you understand that. And again, it's not their fault. They probably have 15 minutes with you. That's why you have to be your own advocate for yourself. Um, so when I went to this natural doctor, she was amazing. And she helped me understand like the underlying root cause of PCOS, which for a lot of women, I believe it's like 80% is insulin resistance. So I was like, okay, aha, I got something insulin resistance. And so what she was promoting was that I focus my diet on protein and fat because that doesn't spike your um, blood sugar levels um, as high as carbohydrates do, which is technically true, but we're also, it was never touched on quality of carbohydrates. Like you can't compare a piece of, um, refined white bread to a sweet potato. Yes, they're both carbs, but they act completely different in your body. And what I later found was through mastering um, diabetes, because diabetes and PCOS are very closely related because the main um, mechanism is insulin resistance. So when I found uh, the mastering diabetes page, which is um, Robbie Barbero and Cyrus Kambata, for anybody who doesn't know, um, they both are type one diabetics and they follow a completely plant-based diet, um, low fat plant-based diet. And from their research and past research that has been done, I learned that fat is actually the reason why, or consuming excess dietary fat is 
one of the main reasons why insulin resistance is so prominent because the fat um, jams up. So basically insulin, which helps lower your blood sugar. So like when you eat a banana, um, insulin gets pumped out by your pancreas to basically open the door to the cell so that all this, um, all this carbohydrates can get into the cell so that it can be used for energy. But what happens is when you have too much dietary fat in your diet is that that lock kind of gets a little like jammed up and doesn't work as efficient as, as it should be. So either no, um, carbohydrates are getting into the cell or just very few. So then that leads to elevated blood sugar and then more insulin is pumped. And then it's just this whole big, um, feedback system. So once I learned that I was like, that makes so much sense because beforehand I was still eating, um, higher fat. I was plant-based, but I was eating higher fat because that's supposed to be good for your hormones. It doesn't spike your blood sugar and everything like that. But I was not seeing the results that I wanted to see. I was still breaking out. I was following basically everything that my doctor was telling me to besides eating the animal protein. And I just knew that regardless of anything, I was not eating animals. It's an ethical thing for me now. It's not so much. I mean, I do it for health reasons because I know that there are so many benefits, but for me, it's ethical. Like I will never go back to eating a piece of meat. I just, I can't mentally get myself to do that. So that was a really big struggle, but I was following her advice where, you know, eating more protein, higher fat, but it wasn't doing any of the things that it was supposed to be doing. So once I found that information and that consuming excess dietary fat increases insulin resistance, I was like, there, that, that is probably what's going on with me. And so I took their advice and for the past six months or so I've been, um, you know, still plant-based obviously, but low fat. And it has made the world of difference, especially in my skin. I've had at least, this might be TMI, but four regular periods now. Um, I actually just finished a cycle. So that was amazing. Yeah. And with no medication, I didn't need to be on the five different medications my doctors wanted to put me on. I was so adamant to do this in a holistic way because I'm a very, I guess stubborn is the word you could say, but like once I believe something, it takes a lot of like convincing me otherwise. And I'm a very science-based person. So once I saw all the research about, you know, meat and dairy and then insulin resistance and excess dietary fat, I'm like, this just makes so much sense. And there's evidence to prove why this works. So yeah, that's how I, that's how I came to it by not really listening to my doctors. <laughs> I don't recommend that, but <laughs> if it's a life or death, death situation, please listen to them. But you know, this wasn't. So that's where I felt like I could do my own thing for a little. Have you um, been able to connect with any other um, young women like yourself that have PCOS that are also on a plant-based journey? Or are you able to influence anyone to kind of maybe reconsider eating the high protein, high fat diet, that's standard recommendation? So unfortunately, no, there's like no one in the PCOS space who's talking about a plant-based diet. So that's another reason why I felt kind of motivated to 
like start my Instagram and everything because it was so ethical for me. I was like, I have to figure out how to do this without eating animals. So that was just a given. And then when I tried to find other like um, doctors or even influencers, there was nothing that promoted a plant predominant or plant exclusive diet. It was all you needed your animal protein in and your healthy fat source so that your blood sugar wouldn't spike. But what people don't talk about is that, and keto is a perfect example of this, is when you do high fat, high protein, your body never learns how to, like your ability to use insulin properly never gets solved. So let's say you do keto for X amount, however long you are able to sustain that because that's a very restrictive way of eating. Um, Once you want to have a higher carbohydrate diet, you're body just does not know how to handle all the excess carbohydrates because you haven't been feeding it carbs to begin with. So yes, your blood sugar isn't spiking, your symptoms might improve and you might lose weight. But what happens when you want to have a higher carb meal and your insulin just goes out of whack and then your symptoms come back, you know, you didn't really solve the problem. You kind of put a bandaid on it by doing that. So the key to insulin resistance is making your insulin more sensitive. So that's, again, and that's where dietary fat comes in. That is so fascinating. You really um, have your head wrapped around this thing. My goodness. I feel like I could be a doctor at this point. (laughs) Can you go over, just because you are so articulate, um, not just because, but because this (laughs) is your passion, because you explained it so well, and there is such a link between diabetes and PCOS. And I know that people just, we really um, have been taught that diabetes is a sugar issue. Don't eat bananas, you know, like, ah, I I can't Mm -hmm. think people I've worked with that are afraid of like bananas and corn and carrots. I used to be the same way because of what like doctors and everybody, well, I say everybody, but like what society says or what we thought it was. I used to be the same exact way. I used to fear bananas. I would have literally half of one a day. Now I have like four or five. They're one of my favorite fruits ever. And the fact that I ever saw them as something that would cause damage to my body makes me so sad because it's the complete opposite. Mm -hmm. Like fruit for one is just so unbelievably healing packed with fiber, antioxidants, phytochemicals, just a perfect package from nature. It's like a gift. Like here, this is everything you need or almost everything you need in this perfect little container. It tastes so good and it's so good for you. So don't, ever like limited that when I look back, I'm like, that made no sense, but I was just doing what the doctors told me. My doctor told me to limit my carb intake, you know, have lower glycemic, um, fruits like berries and apples and things like that, which those are absolutely amazing too, but you don't have to fear mangoes, bananas, and pineapple, the more like tropical type of fruits because they have a higher sugar or carb content. Um, so yeah, that was one thing that I'm so happy I unlearned because that was a very sad time in my life when I was only having half a banana a day <laughs> and like spoonfuls of almond butter. Terrible. But going back to what you said originally about diabetes, um, and this also goes hand in hand with PCOS being like a sugar 
problem. I think it also comes down to the fact that people aren't talking, and I touched on this earlier, people aren't talking about the quality of carb. You know, you can't compare processed packaged cookies to a banana or an apple. It's not, it's not the same thing. It does completely different things in your body, and there's no fiber attached to the processed um, packaged food that you're eating, which is also a huge help when you have an insulin problem because it helps regulate um, your blood sugar spike. The fiber basically helps, like let's say a banana, for example, instead of it shooting up like as if you had a piece of candy, instead it will increase, but at a much slower rate because of the fiber. So people with diabetes should eat all the fruit that there is. I highly recommend anybody listening to this, go check out Mastering Diabetes because they are absolutely amazing, both type one diabetics and eat an abundance of fruit. I think they eat more fruit than me. Yeah. I think I heard them say one of them, they do work out for like an hour a day. Mm-hmm. At least one of them does. Um, and I think he was saying he eats like 700 grams of carbohydrates a day. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, and he has diabetes. <laughs> yes. And type one, we're yes. particularly taught that you really need to monitor the amount of carbohydrates. Yes. So people with that and with PCOS tend to be told or taught by society, by doctors, by interweb information, you know, web WebMD, I'm sure, that you need to control your insulin. But what you're saying, which is so powerful because insulin sensitivity, even in athletics, is like an indicator of prime um, ability. If you can make your body sensitive to insulin, then you are in a really good position. Uh So how does one go from eating the standard American diet to making their body more insulin sensitive? Um, That's a really great question. So I would definitely say it's you should go slow. Don't go all in. I mean, obviously it would be amazing, but it's also not practical or sustainable um, cause there is a learning curve to it. You're unlearning ways of eating that you've been eating your whole life. Like I was eating meat and cheese for when did I, for like 17, 18 years of my life. So, and that's how I grew up. That's all I knew. So it's definitely a bit of a learning curve to unlearn that and also make sure that you're getting all the adequate, um, nutritional things that you need for a healthy diet. But I would just say definitely don't uh, fear fruit at all. That's really one thing. If I could erase something from everyone's memory, except fruit, it has too much sugar. That just blows my mind. Absolutely blows my mind. And fruit is also like 95 or more percent water. So like where all these other carbs that they're talking about, like processed things, I'm like, there's no water in that. So. Um, so yeah, I would say definitely do not fear fruit. Um, and one thing that I learned that I've learned that's really helped me is I still do consume fat. Um, but I just try and have my fat or if I'm having a larger portion of fat for my dinner, because it doesn't mess up my body's, um, ability to handle insulin the entire day. So if you start with like a really, really fatty meal, like, eggs, bacon, cheese, then you're setting yourself up for failure for the rest of the day because your body is not going to be able to 
um, or your insulin is not going to be able to function properly. So I highly, highly recommend just keeping your fat intake, whatever it is, however you want to do it just for like a later lunch or dinner. I have found that that's made really, really amazing benefits for me personally. And I know other people have done the same. That's awesome. When you talk about fat and the amount of fat that you're eating, do you try and keep it within any parameters or you're just keeping it out of your first couple of meals so that your insulin can function properly, which I can say, and from experience and from my studies is um, definitely more metabolically um, efficacious because your energy systems are going to be running faster. Fat slows down digestion and it muddies up the energy exchange in your metabolic cycle. Mm-hmm. So do you have any specific parameters that you would advise to people or are you um, more intuitive with how you're following this journey? So I would say I'm definitely more intuitive, but that's also because, um, I have had so much fat in my day. (laughs) So I know like my threshold, I think everybody might have a different threshold, but I try, I don't count carbs or macros, but if I did, I try to keep it under like 30 grams of fat per day, I would say. And I don't even know if I reach that. Because my mornings will start out with a big fruit smoothie or a smoothie bowl. If anybody who follows me on Instagram, they'll see I post a smoothie bowl literally all the time. It's my favorite breakfast. Um, And then I'll put in either flax or chia in there as a top, especially chia pudding. It's my favorite. Um, And then lunch is more of like a raw type salad. I normally don't put any fat in there. Um, Occasionally, maybe like a quarter of an avocado. and then. I really save my fat for dinner time. And that's where I'll have like half an avocado if I want one or a quarter. And then I'll have some tahini drizzled over. So I really try and keep it to whole sources. I do occasionally have oil um, or if I'm cooking and something like really needs a little bit of oil, I won't not put oil in it, but I just try and minimize oil specifically because I find that there's really no nutritional value in oils, but when you have a fat source like avocado or tahini, you're getting the whole plant. You're not, it's not just the oil extracted away. You're getting the whole plant and all the packaged goodness that it comes with. Same with nuts and everything. Um, although I do try, I'm a bit of a nut freak. So I try to be a lot very conscious when I do have nuts because I can easily eat like a whole bag of cashews. Yeah. Yeah. I feel you with that. Um, That's definitely something that like, I like to use nuts to make like dressings or sauces Mm -hmm. or just have a small handful, like after dinner as like, a yes, Mm -hmm. that's kind of what I've been doing lately. It's like a little bit, maybe a tablespoon after dinner as a finisher. And then I feel super satiated. Exactly. This is a little off topic, but I'm curious, um, cravings. Did you experience cravings when you went from eating a high fat, high meat diet to a, even from a high fat vegan diet to a high carb, low fat vegan diet? So surprisingly, not really. Like I've always had a sweet tooth, but I found that I never knew what dates were until probably two years ago, which those are absolutely nature's candy. Anyone has never tried a date. You need to, they're amazing. They're like these caramel gooey. So good. 
So once I started incorporating dates in my diet, I have literally no sugar craving at all, no sweet tooth. And it would specifically happen after dinner. Once I had like my savory meal, I was like, Ooh, I need something sweet. That's how it always was. Now I have my dates earlier in the day, probably for breakfast or lunchtime and I'm good. I don't crave anything. And I really think it's because of the dates that I don't get that craving. Or if I don't have dates in my day, I try and make sure that I have a sweet potato with my meal. I found that sweet potatoes keep me really satiated and they kind of hit that sweet tooth mark because they are a bit on the sweeter side. Mm-hmm. Dates are amazing. I feel like oh, they're probably um, really underutilized in our Western diet. They're so loaded with iron, with fiber, mm-hmm. and some essential minerals that are hard to get other places. I think they have manganese. Um, they probably yes. have magnesium. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. potassium. They're a great source potassium. of potassium too. Yeah. So dates are really, really great. And I am with you on that. I bought a bag recently and they are, they're like little caramels. So good. I soaked some and then like blended them up into a slurry. I love doing that. It's like my favorite or making like a caramel sauce out of them that I can add as like a smoothie topper. Oh yeah. I did it over a baked apple. I mandolin sliced it better. Put it. So it was like a pie with this like uh-huh. a fresh apple pie with a caramel sauce. It was just beautiful. Wow. I'm going to have to try that. That sounds really, really good. Yeah. I'll send you a picture. <laughs> okay. Awesome. <laughs> oh, so great. So, um, now you're, you're healing from your PCOS and you're on this plant-based mission to educate people about, all of the health benefits that you can get from a plant-based diet, not just PCOS, but is there anything, any other like issues or conditions that you have a particular passion for, um, in regards to what a plant-based diet can do for people? Um, I wouldn't say, uh, that's a really good question. I mean, I think it's so fascinating how many different ailments, a plant-based diet is able to help improve, especially when it comes to cardiovascular disease. That's, I I think the work that has been done there with seeing the correlation between diet and just your risk of cardiovascular disease is amazing because it is the number one killer. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it's in the world or I know in the States, cardiovascular disease is the number one killer. It probably is elsewhere too. I think everybody kind of follows a heavy meat and dairy diet. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but definitely diabetes though, too, because it is so closely, it's not the same, but it is very, very related to PCOS. And I think that a lot of, not that I think I know that a lot of the things that have helped people with diabetes have also helped people with PCOS. So yeah, I wouldn't say there's really any other condition I'm super passionate about. I just think it's amazing that the plant-based diet has shown so many benefits to us and brain health is another one and gut health. There's just so, so many benefits and also mental health, which is something that um, I talked about a bit in the beginning that um, I believe, I don't know if it's 80 or 90% of the serotonin that's produced is produced in your gut. So it would make intuitive sense that what you're eating might be affecting how optimal your 
serotonin levels are. So mm-hmm. I noticed um, that when I switched to exclusively plant-based diet, I noticed a huge, huge improvement in my mental health because that's something that I'm still kind of struggling with. And I think a lot of people might be able to relate to that when you have like a chronic condition of just not feeling yourself. Um, and also that victim mentality of everybody else is fine. Everybody else eats X, Y, and Z and they're fine. I kind of went through that and being in college really didn't help at all. (laughs) Um, but yeah, so I would say mental health is a big one that I don't think people talk about enough because people don't really think that the food that you're eating might have a connection to how you're feeling, but 100% it does. If 90% of your serotonin is produced in your gut, what you're putting in your gut is probably going to affect those levels. So, and I think, um, Simon Hill, he had someone on a few months ago. I believe, I don't know if she was a psychologist, um, but they talked about mental health and food and that there were some pretty interesting findings that people who followed a minimally processed plant-based diet, had shown some benefits in their overall mental health. So I think that's a really cool fact too. Yeah, it yeah, 100%. I know Australia did a study or uh, I want to call it a challenge. I don't think it was a challenge. It was some kind of government rollout where they encouraged people to eat eight servings of fruits and vegetables a day and they measured mental health and it improved um, dramatically. Mm-hmm. And so did other, some of their other measures were like job satisfaction, overall like life quality. So these intangibles, but that's, I think the challenge with mental health is we're inside our head, Mm -hmm. um, we're statistically being improved upon. And then I know that Dr. Joel Furman has, um, cited some studies that say that processed baked goods two or three times a week are 50% more likely to lead to depression. So yeah, our food really is information. Um, and so, Besides changing your diet, um, what other things have you done to work on your internal beauty so that you can show up in the world as you see yourself inside um, and, you know, be able to know that you're not only on the right path and you're an example of the right path, but so that you can feel confident in your skin, like, like literally, you Mm -hmm. know, Yeah. So that has been probably the hardest thing for me. Um, because even before all of this, I'd always been really hard on myself. Um, I don't know if I mentioned, but I have been a competitive athlete all my life. So that like competitive mentality has just been instilled in my brain since forever. So like constant comparison, especially to like these other beautiful girls that I see who have beautiful skin, they're super skinny yet they binge drink every weekend and we'll have like a frozen pizza for breakfast. I'm like, there was a point in time I had mentioned earlier that victim and Tati where I'm like, why can they do that and not suffer any consequences? But that's not healthy. That's going to catch up with them eventually. They're just not seeing it right now. And that was a big thing for me to realize. And just being diagnosed with PCOS was kind of like a blessing because I got my answers, but because of that and the way that it affected my physical appearance really took a toll on my mental health for sure, where 
I didn't want to see people at all. Like I went through a phase where I didn't, I think I didn't go out for like a year and a half. I kind of lost a lot of friends that I'd made in college just simply because I wasn't going out. And it was, yeah, it was more so I didn't want people to see me because I thought that when they saw me, all they were going to see was my skin and how there's acne on my cheeks and now I have scarring. So like when I wear makeup and I do go out, it's still a mental battle. Like I constantly had to tell myself that people aren't looking at my skin. And if they are looking at my skin, who cares? It's not anything I can help in that moment. I can't change it in the moment. So I don't want to spend my time stressing about it, but it's easier to say that now when I'm not, when I'm in the comfort of my own room, no makeup on, and I'm only talking to you, but it really is a constant struggle that I'm really working at because I saw myself so differently. And like, I, I guess like really looked down upon myself where I would think to myself that I'm not beautiful because I'm fat now, or not that I was ever really fat, but to me, I was fat because I'd always been an athlete. I never really had excess weight. Um, and my skin, especially being a college student, I didn't feel beautiful or like desirable. So that really, really played a heavy role on my mental health. And I let that stick around for really way too long. But then there was a point where I was like, I want to still experience life. I want to go out with my friends and not worry about if people are looking at my skin. And so I started to like put myself in those really uncomfortable situations because I'll tell you so many times, and I had done this in the past, I'd be invited out and I would say I'm going, going, and then I'd cancel last minute because I couldn't bear the thought of people seeing me with the skin that I had. And that to me, I thought it looked worse when I put on makeup because you could really see like the texture on my skin. So that has been something I work on every single day. I still, I'm sure tomorrow it'll happen where I'm freak, freaking out if somebody sees my skin and I would always, always have to have makeup on. But now I'm learning to like let my skin breathe. And that's another reason I've noticed my skin has improved because I don't put as much makeup on as I had in the past where I would literally put like a mask on. You couldn't even recognize me. And the problem with that too, was that since I was doing that so much, I saw my skin with makeup on way more than I saw my skin with makeup off. So when I had my makeup off, I was like, I hate the way my skin looks when it doesn't have makeup on. I had scarring, hyperpigmentation and active acne. I was like, I just feel so ugly without makeup. So once the pandemic hit, that was almost like a blessing in disguise for me. I know a lot of people obviously struggled and it was not a fun time. But one good thing that came out of that was that since we couldn't go out or see anyone, I got to not have to worry about that. So, and it allowed me time to work on myself. That was when I had adopted um, a meditation practice because I really wanted to go like internally and be like, why do I see myself like this? And I also have my older sister who is my absolute best friend. She's my rock. And anytime I talk to her hysterically crying, saying like, oh my God, I hate my skin, this and that, you know, she would always just reassure me that I am beautiful. It doesn't matter what my skin looks like. Beauty is an internal thing superficially, like they're superficial beauty, but that doesn't mean that you are a beautiful person. So yeah, a meditation practice was something that was really crucial to me healing the mental side of having 
um, PCOS because it really took a toll on me, but I was able to connect to myself internally and kind of understand why I was like feeding myself all these lies about my skin and everything. And I was believing them. That was the worst part was I was actually believing them. So in reality, when I did have to face these like public situations, it was like, I can't even explain what was going on in my brain. It was, I felt like I had a split personality because one side is like, no, everything's okay. And the other side is like, no, you're ugly. Go home. Like you don't want to see anyone. Nobody wants to see you. Things like that. So meditating really helped journaling. Another thing just to jot down aimlessly what you're thinking and you can kind of make connections where you're like, Oh, that makes sense. Like I think that because I think this, so I highly encourage anyone who is struggling um, with their mental health, regardless of whatever it is. It's such a broad spectrum, but meditation is, I would recommend that to anyone. I think everybody in this world should be meditating. I think people would be a lot happier. It'd be a much more peaceful place. Um, And journaling to really understand your thoughts because your thoughts, they really do become your reality. If you are constantly thinking something, that's that's your reality because you believe that to be true. So it really helps you to unlearn a lot of things that you told yourself that's not true. And everybody is beautiful. Doesn't matter what your skin looks like. Doesn't matter how much you weigh. You're beautiful. It matters how you treat people, not what you look like. So that's my whole end of my spiel on mental health, because that's a huge one that I think a lot of people don't talk about enough is the mental health side of having any chronic condition it really it takes a toll yeah there's this song that you made me think of I don't know if you've heard it it's called I am light it's by India Airy I am light no I haven't heard it and one line is there like I'm not the color of my skin I'm not my age I'm not my race I am light and as you were talking like it just gave me the desire um, that we could walk around and see everyone for our soul and not the exterior, because this is so superficial and so Mm -hmm. fading. And so it's not only is it temporal, it is subject to change. And I've met um, some of the most beautiful, beautiful souls. And it's so sad that, um, that we judge ourselves that way. Mm So, um, I just want to applaud you for the the work that you've done inside self, especially, you know, at any age, but at, you know, your age and being in college and having that societal, that social pressure on you, um, that's some deep work and it has set you up with whatever, whatever foundation you had to build is only going to be something that you're going to be able to stand taller on and wave your freedom flag for the rest of your life. And I'm just glad you shared this because I know it's going to help so many people just like you do on social media when you're showing your skin and you're, and I think your skin is beautiful. You're glowing. You. Your veggies are working. Mm-hmm. You know? And eat your um, veggies, eat your veggies, drink your water. Um, because you're encouraging people to not be ashamed and, and really shame is like the worst thing. It makes us want to hide and mm-hmm. make us feel like we're alone. And all of those things are illusions. We are not alone, right? We are 
I'm not trying to like preach now, but we are not alone. No, but it's, it's so true though. I think people can get really, people can get really thought lost in their thoughts where like our brain is so powerful and our thoughts are so powerful that if they're negative, that's what you are surrounding yourself with because you live in here. So if in there is all negative, then that's all you're ever going to see. And all you're going to see yourself, you're going to see everything you hate about yourself instead of everything that you should love about yourself, which what you love, I'm sure will outweigh what you hate about yourself. And you should never hate anything about yourself. Everyone's perfect. (laughs) Yes. Innately perfect and beautiful. Um, And the fact just like to bring this like back to nutrition, if we have the ability to give our brains a leg up, we, we absolutely should. Do you think? Mm -hmm. I agree. So um, I'm just wondering, like, do you have a, I hope that you're able, like, I hope that you're able to reach a ton of people. I love the content that you put out um, with this. And I'm definitely going to link all of your Instagrams and stuff. Though. But I know that um, even if it hasn't happened yet, like you said, you haven't been able to reach young women yet. This is a new journey for you really just since the fall, right? With the mm-hmm. identifying the PCOS and the skin and the plant-based diet. And this information just can't be suppressed forever. It feels like dietary nutrition has been suppressed for far too long. It's like, why do people think these things, mm-hmm. the information, the science is all available. It it requires voices like yours, like your voice is so important because people are waking up and they are doing the research and they are not necessarily just trusting the first reaction that they get or the first diagnosis or the first recommendation um, so that they can understand that we have the ability to heal ourselves. All Mm -hmm. of it is available to us on this planet, in our bodies and in our minds and everything that we've talked about, meditation, creating those thoughts, which then creates behaviors, which then creates like this energy of self-love where we can show up in the world with whatever is on our face, makeup, no makeup, whatever, and feel free to shine our light. That's what people will recognize. They recognize Mm -hmm. the light. That's so, so true. You know, no, it's true. Everybody recognizes the light. Like when I think about who I love and who I look up to when it comes to like celebrities or whatever, I, it's rarely about cause they're good looking. It's because I like what they have to say or what they've done, you know, actions, what they're doing, not how they look like, yeah, if they're good looking, sure that helps. But like, that's not why people like you for your looks. It's more of what you have to offer to the world and how you treat and make other people feel that's way more important than what you'll look like ever. Yes. Yeah. That's a good message. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for taking the time um, to be with me again. And I would love to um, collab more in the future. I think we're, we are on the same vein. Oh, yes. (laughs) I really, really appreciate your process and your science background and the way that you are absorbing and disseminating this information. And you're not afraid to show up as you, as someone that is 
in the journey, on the process of healing, both like you've done so much work internally and externally and just being a light for the world, just like it's, it's powerful. And I hope that you know that, and I appreciate your time so much. So thank you. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Celeste. This has been so amazing and you create such a beautiful space for people to feel comfortable and open up. So I'm really grateful for that. Awesome. Thanks. Talk to you soon. Okay. Bye.